Hello, and welcome to the Retech Podcast. My name is Stuart Pringle, and I'm your host. I am on a mission to chat with interesting people who are doing good things in renewables and technology. Why does this matter? Well, without new thinking and innovation as an industry, renewable energy production is not going to hit the lofty goals it has been set. In each podcast, I'm going to be chatting with different people in the industry who are doing their bit to help drive change. And this week on the Retech Podcast, we have Chris Gray, who is the CEO and founder of I4C. Hello, Chris. Yeah, hi, Steve. So, Chris, uh, you once uh, introduced yourself on a, on a meeting we had recently where you said, hey, I'm Chris, I've got four kids, I run a business, that's all I do. So, is that, does that feel about right? Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's a pretty good, <laughs> pretty accurate introduction. So, um, yeah, running business is, is pretty pretty hard work and takes a lot of time and uh, and having four kids likewise. So, it doesn't leave too much space for, for anything else around that. But, uh, yeah, that's that's what fills my days. Well, thank you for giving some of your precious time up um, for this chat today. Um, uh, Chris, I foresee isn't your first business. You've, you've, you've done this before. Can you just give us a little sort of part of history of your background, please? Yeah, so I, I worked as um, I worked as an engineer um, for for some years in the automotive industry, and then and then later in the wind industry. Um, I was always quite um, I guess quite creative, and I had quite a lot of ideas about how how technology could evolve and how business could evolve. And I was really itching to to try some of these ideas out myself, and so I I became self employed. Um, I think around 2009 or 10, and then together with some some colleagues, founded my first my first company, um, and then I I co-managed that and built that up for for seven or eight years before um, selling my shares and then um, yeah and then later on founding I4C as a second major venture as you say so I've sort of been been through this this process a couple of times of of setting up a new company and and um, yeah building a team and starting to scale things up. And it's uh, yeah, it's a really. I'm a little bit um, uh, addicted to the experience of, of building companies. It's a very, very exciting thing because it's really creative, and you can you can really kind of put your ideas into practice and and see if you can make an impact on 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 in, in my case on the wind industry, which is something I really care a lot about, and I really like um, having the feeling of being able to do things that really that really do kind of gain traction and have some have some lasting effect on the wind industry. Brilliant. And tell, tell us about I, I4C. So in, in, in a nutshell, what are you doing there? We do, um, we use data from large portfolios of wind turbines to detect, diagnose failures and faults and to, to manage performance upgrade campaigns. Um, so it's basically um, doing a, a fleet scale automated health check of large portfolios and uh, giving giving owners and operators information about how they can get the best uh, best performance and availability out of those assets using that using that existing data. Awesome, thanks, Chris. Okay, so we're here today to talk about renewables and, and technology. Um, you're you're on your second lap, effectively, of of of, of um, building a business in in the renewable space. Um, what what changes have you seen since the first one? I think that was sort of 2010, 2012-ish compared to then, and and, and kind of what what you're seeing now is it is it the same process again, or, or are, there, are there different things going on? Yeah, it's good. so it's, it's um, interesting that 
especially in the space we're in. So it's digitalization, software, data analytics, and the, the, the conditions um, today and the technology that's available today is completely different than, than it was 10, 12 years ago. Um, and also the, the, the understanding um, of these kind of technologies uh, and the, the market expectation is completely different. So, so like 10, 12 years ago, um, we didn't have anything like the, the technology available on kind of cloud services and, and, uh, and bandwidth and data storage and data management and connectivity all of these things were were way behind where they are today and so we're really in a kind of state of uh, looking at how can we get access to the data how can we connect to turbines how can we deal with different naming conventions from different manufacturers how can we kind of centralize and manage the data those are the challenges kind of going back in the day and it wasn't really it wasn't really widely accepted that you can add a lot of value by doing advanced analytics on that data. It was more kind of a, uh, we need to do some essentials. We need to check that the turbines are upline, uh, are online and running, and we need to um, have a basic understanding of the production, the availability. Um, and beyond that, it was kind of more, yeah, let's, let's, let's try to get the infrastructure in place. Um, and these days, a lot, a lot has changed um, in many respects because we have much better technology available. We have um, really cheap data storage um, capability. We have uh, companies like Microsoft and Google and and uh, AWS, Amazon offering really um, huge suites of technology, relatively low price for for managing data in the cloud. Uh, we have very high bandwidth. We have um, some some standardization on on data protocols and on naming and so on for for Windows fleets so there's a lot of conditions that have improved in our favor to be able to do this kind of analytics in a more efficient way and then there's also been a shift in the kind of the understanding and expectation of this whole topic of data analytics so like whereas like big data and ai and machine learning have become really like hype buzzwords um, which has advantages and disadvantages i guess the main advantage is it's a complete um, it's become completely normal and standard that we should be doing this kind of work in the renewable industry and everybody expects that you should have some technology in place as soon as you have a, a certain size of wind farm or wind wind energy portfolio it's expected that you'll have some kind of technology in place to to use the operational data from that portfolio in a in a smart way um, so we don't have to convince the market anymore that this makes sense it's already quite accepted so these days it's more about how can we do this in an efficient way uh, in a, in a uh, um, without causing um, additional effort on on highly stressed operations teams and how can we um, deliver the most value from these kind of activities so that's kind of different challenges than we had 10 years ago that's really interesting so 10 back to 2010 were you having to explain cloud the security you know was were people sort of risk averse to it as a concept you found that then were you having to actually sort of articulate what it was all about and the benefits and try and persuade that it was possible yeah it wasn't so much about explaining cloud and security and those kind of infrastructure topics it was more about justifying doing this kind of work at all it was more of like explaining the value in the business case like why should i bother looking at these huge piles of operational data coming from my wind turbines i'm really busy anyway uh, you know what what's in it for me and and trying to um trying to make it clear that there's a lot of value and you can you can improve operations and you can improve the output from the turbines based on on these kind of analytics and at, at that time that was not so um, widely understood so it was really about kind of um, um, defining the business case to do this kind of work um, and and as, as I said uh, these days that, that's a lot easier everyone's accepted that there's a business case um, and and the kind of the the, the fortunate or the the 
I guess the positive thing is that the infrastructure and the things like security and cloud and so on, there's been a lot of progress in that in the meantime, which has a kind of a positive feedback effect on the business case. So it means we can do this stuff at big scale much um, at a much lower price point and much more efficiently than we could do it 10 years ago. So it means that, uh, as, and, and so, for, for, so these days, so there's a really strong positive business case for an onshore wind portfolio to do remote diagnostics and analytics. And for offshore, it's a, it's a complete no brainer. So for offshore, we have issues with access and, and um, weather windows and, and kind of high costs of downtime and so on. It really makes um, perfect sense to, to do remote um, data analytics. Okay, so so we've seen that there's been a whole step change in attitude, and indeed all the big operators now have their sort of centralised digital teams and leads, and there's there's, there's there's people devoted to that. Um, so so that's been a change. What are the challenges um, that you're seeing now? Are the frustrations that you have as someone who's got a technology you know vendor in the industry? What what, what are you coming up against? Where's the friction? Yeah, it's um, so I think that the the major one of the major challenges in the wind industry today and renewables in general it's about scalability because now we're we're i mean the industry has been growing continuously for years and um but it's really accelerating and these days given the given the current energy crisis and given climate um targets and so on there's there's really very ambitious targets for for scale up of renewables and this is i mean in my opinion those targets should be even more ambitious um but we need to we need to give it our best shot. It's really survival critical, to be honest. That we that we um, scale up the industry as, as fast as possible, and I think um, that's causing stress everywhere in the in the in the value chain and everywhere in the in the industry. So it has a positive effect for a company like mine. Everything is scaling. Everything is growing. Every, the business is is expanding. Um, but in in sort of logistically speaking, it's causing a whole lot of problems. So we have um, limitations in terms of availability of human resource. We have basically not enough experts in the industry to 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 support this scale of activity. We have supply chain problems, material delivery. Manufacturers not able to build turbines fast enough. Um, delays in in bringing um, delays in commissioning new projects. Um, and and all of this is very 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 challenging to to take an industry that's been very dynamic anyway, and now give it the a further boost and and kind of hit these sort of targets that we've got for 2030 and beyond. So I think that's causing a lot of stress and a lot of pressure throughout the industry, and uh, it's opening up. It has opportunities and threats coming out of that. So it's opening up a lot of opportunities, but it, it also can go very badly if we're not careful. Um, and as, as a founder who, who's running a business in the midst of all of that, who's going through his own scale-up journey, um, in terms of from your seat, what, 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 what's, what's the hardest bit here? What, what, what's the bit that's holding your business back at, at the moment? I would say, um, I would say it's like it's a kind of a, um, uh, a reflection of the wind industry in general is that things are growing so fast and scaling so fast. It's a case of making the best of these opportunities um, without um, without running into chaos. Because we have to, so like in the industry in general, there's there's new projects coming online, there's new technologies being built, there's there's a lot of um, a lot of really positive developments in offshore wind, and so we're we're growing fast, but uh, still not fast enough. And uh, the faster we grow, and uh, the more ambitious these targets, the more we run at risk of everybody's overloaded, everyone's under pressure. We run risk of uh, running into a chaotic situation uh, where things kind of hit the breaking point, and that's the same for 
if at any startup that's uh, that's made it over the first couple of years, then you start to get to the point that you're you're scaling pretty fast. Uh, if not, you have other problems, and then uh, we have to be really careful that as we so now back to I4C as a company, we have to be very careful that as the industry scales and we scale with it, that we keep our processes um, uh, well organised and we we manage things in a structured way that we don't that we don't start getting too chaotic and running into inefficiencies. So that's that's something that I spend a lot of time thinking about how we can continue along our journey and still keep things in a in a well-organized way so that the, the team is not under under too much stress and that we're we're able to 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 deliver deliver good quality despite this kind of scaling effect sure how big's your team now chris uh, we have 15 people in the team um, and we're we're kind of onboarding new new turbines continuously and and acquiring new projects quite fast so it's a it's quite a dynamic environment and um, and I, I, like I said, I, I like looking at the, I like ref, looking at my own company and, and thinking about how we're scaling, and then reflect the, how the wind industry as a whole is scaling. And there's a there's a couple of kind of interesting comparisons one can make. And it's like I, I like when you when you start a set up a technology company, you have this kind of early period, which is um, the startup phase, and it's like finding the right team and and working out your product market fit, basically. So testing different technologies and different ways to to deliver the the technologies and different business models and trying to find out what works best. And that, that can be quite a kind of a trial and error um, phase. And you tend to do pivots along the way and you try a few different things. And then at some point it starts to converge and you feel like, yeah, this is this is working. I've built something that's good and it, it satisfies the market need. And now I can start to really, uh, I can stop playing around and trying too many different things. And now I can really scale this and try to turn it into a profitable business. And this is the natural, this should be, in my opinion, the natural progression of a, of a startup or technology company. And then you come into that scaling phase, which is where we are now at I4C. And then you have different kind of challenges. Like I said before, it's about structure and process and organization and and uh, getting the right people in the in the right jobs and so on um, and if you if you reflect on the wind industry i think it's kind of similar i think in the early days of the wind industry we had a very creative period where we were trying different technologies first turbines were sub megawatt and then we went into above megawatt we had different drivetrain concepts and geared and direct drive uh, full convert converter and uh, w fed induction generators and we tested upwind rotors downwind rotors there, there was three bladed turbines two bladed turbines it wasn't it wasn't kind of it wasn't completely accepted that a horizontal axis three bladed turbine was the with was the way to go there was a lot of kind of sure. testing different configurations then we started to build the turbines bigger and we went up to two megawatts for onshore three megawatts offshore getting bigger and so on so there's a lot of um technology evolution and testing and trying different ways to 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 build and operate wind farms um, and then kind of going back to my analogy with a business or running a business ideally what would happen is all of that stuff would converge and find its place and then you would say this is the best way to build the turbine this is the best way to operate it this is the best way to to to, to manage the the wind farm over the long term and now let's scale that up really huge now let's let's grow that industry really big and make as big possible impact on the global energy supply um but what we're so that would be the ideal case and um but what we actually face is that we're scaling up really fast and trying to hit very ambitious um, overall production targets, but we're still testing different ways to do it. So we're still trying out. Now we're now we're building floating turbines offshore, which I think is great, but it's a it's a whole new challenge. So it's a huge technological jump from 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 uh, from the the standard sort of um, um, uh, tower turbines that we've had in the past, or um, and. 
and we're testing we're, we're we're building much bigger onshore turbines four or five megawatts and above which is bringing new problems that we haven't seen before um so we're, we're experiencing new technology challenges and new problems because of this continual um technology evolution and at the same time we're trying to scale really big and to do those things in parallel is very very difficult to do successfully so in a way it would have made a lot more sense to converge on the technology level and then start to scale um, so I, I've often done a thought experiment. What if we would have um, decided that a two megawatt onshore turbine is the ultimate solution? This is the platform we can we can different compete with some different features and stuff. But essentially, this is the best the best size. And if we would just do that and build two megawatt onshore turbines, a huge scale everywhere, uh, we would probably be much more efficient. Um, than we are today but the reality is we're pushing continually four or five megawatts different drivetrain concepts new technologies coming in so i think we're really putting ourselves under a lot of stress um and then uh, and then back to my business <laughs> if i can spring back again yeah go for it you know and i'm trying i'm trying to be very focused on what we do and what we don't do so i'm trying to be very disciplined about this is our model this is what works and now let's scale that up and make sure we can have as as big positive impacts in the market as we can and i think that's what needs to be done everywhere in the industry at every level in the value chain whether it's a, a turbine manufacturer or a service company or a balance of plant equipment supplier or a software developer or whoever it is i think everybody needs to work out what do we do best what are we most efficient at where do we bring the most value and now let's do that as uh, as efficiently and with as much focus as possible and let's scale it and, and if we do that everywhere in the value chain of the wind industry then of course the, the industry as a whole will, will be more effective at scaling um i, I know that's very, that's very very idealistic and the reality is a little bit different um so as somebody's a successful founder said you're on your second second time through from startup to scale up what what, what do you have any sort of advice on do's and don'ts for somebody's in that that tech founder seat in those early days. Um, oh, it's interesting. So I've made a, the question is not um, whether I have any advice. The question is where to start because I've made uh, <laughs> I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. And I, I <laughs> the good thing is if you read uh, if you read a few books on um, building startups, the, you'll always come across things like fail fast. And it's and uh, there's no there's no successful company without a track record of of, of failures and uh, lessons learned behind you. So I think it's all part of the process. So that, that that helps me sleep at night, but um, <laughs> there's a lot of things. There's there's one thing that I I, first, I I really really get very excited about technology and especially in the space so data analytics and wind wind energy and so on. So so every idea and every thought that comes into my mind or that somebody else suggests to me that I find interesting, I get really enthusiastic about it and I really want to pursue it with all of my energy. And um, that's not conducive with um, running a successful business in all in all cases. So in some cases, you, if you if you try to everything that you find interesting and exciting, if you try to chase after it, um, it's easy to it's easy to get distracted from the overall goal, which is to to build a, a, a business where you can pay people's wages and stay healthy in the in the longer term. So I've made the mistake of trying out too many different things in parallel. Um, and not focusing on on a few kind of core products and core technologies which we can successfully scale and sell you're preaching to the converted in my my own day job as as marketing and bd consultant i i often say that you know chase too many rabbits and you're not going to catch any there has to be that balance struck between innovation um and being too diffuse with your efforts um, yeah. and it's not easy it's easy to say but it's not so easy to do 
Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, by, by definition, if you set up a company, then you're really enthusiastic about what you do and you're doing it with with a lot of passion. And so it's really hard to kind of uh, hold yourself back in some cases and, and keep the focus on specific specific topics. Uh, and another, another thing I've learned is because I've developed quite a lot of um, digital products and put products in the market and scale them up. Another thing I've learned is that there's a huge difference between um, a good idea and a prototype and a and a scalable um, a scalable product. So like yeah. you, when, when in software terms, you, you have a good idea and you write some lines of code and then you do a little bit of uh, validation that seems to work and does something does something uh, valuable. And then you, you you have this kind of eureka moment. You think I've built something great and I can turn it into a product and this is going to change the world and I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be rich and I'm going to I'm going to so this is going to be my my flagship. But but the, the reality is that at that point when you have this kind of early breakthrough on the technology point of view, there's a there's a lot of work to do to get from there to a you know, to a product and the things in between are quite often. Um, for a technology person, not as exciting. So the things in between are documentation and quality and testing and working out price models and building PowerPoint slides and marketing, marketing yeah. around the product and getting into the market. And then, you know, and then uh, all of these things are um, a very necessary part of a product, just as, just as important as the core technology. And uh, personally, as a, as a technology guy who's, you know, who, who's got his heart in, in kind of software and analytics, it's. Uh, I have to remind myself very often that we're not going to be. Every idea is not going to find its way into a product because there's a long way between this kind of early phase and the and the more mature mature um, solution. Yeah, check that the, the addressable target market isn't just you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, 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 I'm my own best customer. I've built a lot of things. Yeah. I, think, I think you're great. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the world of um, uh, data analytics in wind specifically, what, what's sort of the exciting trends um, that you're seeing happen at the moment? Um, oh, that's a start. So. I think there's there's a few things which have been on the horizon for a long time. So it's like um, there's there's a lot of things that we've been talking about in the industry for a long time that we've actually now started doing, which I find exciting. So um, one example would be data fusion. So about 10 or 12 years ago, when I was kind of really first getting into this stuff, data fusion was a buzzword. And it's about kind of um, combining different data streams from different systems and different sources and then being able to answer more complex questions. Um, and uh, there was a lot of kind of um yeah talk and some some articles about this topic years back and and, and nowadays it's really becoming a reality and it's partly to do with um data improvements in data management and access so these days there's a lot of companies who have um data well managed and well stored on the cloud and they're and they're offering apis so you can either whether it's commercial like a paid access or whether it's free open source thing but you can you can access data from a lot of different sources um Relatively easily these days, so this whole topic of data fusion is really is really happening now. So we at I4C we are we're running analytics where we're using operational data from wind turbines combined with uh, meteorological data coming from met masts on the wind farm combined with meteorological data coming from external sources and then metadata about the, the assets and information from a from um, from a topography system about altitude and surface roughness. All this kind of this is all different aspects that you can use for a performance analytics or wind turbine and we're combining data feeds from a lot of different sources to, to be able to do that in the best possible way and so that's that's this kind of data fusion thing um, and, and nowadays we have the technology and the capability to, to, to do that and I think that's really exciting because we like I said we've been talking about it for a long time but today it's a lot easier and more more accessible 
So that's one thing that I think that's great. Um, I also think um, another topic I'd like to mention is, so predictive maintenance, this is kind of one of the, the core things that we're focusing on at, at I4C. And predictive maintenance has been around for a very long time, like in other industries, so aerospace, automotive, it's been decades we've been, we've been doing this kind of thing. So basically um, maintaining not only by a time schedule, but also by the condition of the, of the equipment. And in the wind industry, we, that's another thing, we've talked about it for a long time. Um, and then the industry has kind of evolved, let's say in parallel, we've, we've become um, more and more kind of uh, constrained by standard service contracts and standard ways of doing things and like checklists of things that need to be done when we when we go to the turbine and and there's a lot of um kind of legal and contractual constraints that have evolved around that it's making it kind of um very hard to be innovative and bring in new ways to maintain the turbines so over the last few years i had the impression predictive maintenance was always running along as a buzzword and as uh, ideology that we should be doing but Despite that ideology, we were becoming, we were locking ourselves more and more into a more kind of traditional way of operating and maintaining turbines. Um, but just the last couple of years, I really sense that that's changing. And I, I know a lot of experienced people in the industry who have very good ideas about how we can do this differently. And I can really see um, people pushing to, to be more creative about how we agree our service and maintenance contracts and to be more creative about how we leverage the value from data analytics and feed into our maintenance schedules. And uh, I, 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 I think it's it's there's still a lot of work to be done, but I really see opportunity for the wind industry to become really a leader in the way that we use data analytics to to optimize the way we manage the assets. So that, like I mentioned before, there's other assets, other industries like gas turbines and stationary power or, or aerospace or, or automotive where these things are being done to an extent. But the, the wind industry, I think, has an opportunity to be really great at that because it's still it's still a relatively young industry and we still have you know, a lot of a lot of growth and a lot of change. Uh, but I think we have to we have to um, put put the necessary effort into into getting there. But, uh, sure. but I can see that I can see that happening. So I can see us doing things in a smarter way than we have been in the past. That's great insight. And I can see you're really fired up about that. I can just tell you want to get your teeth into that more. Um, I could uh, talk about that for a few days. But, uh... <laughs> um, just to start to sort of bring things to a little bit of a close, um, one of the things we talked about, we touched on earlier, was about um, how the industry is scaling up and there was a need for more people to come in um, to help deliver just at the volume and the pace that's now now, now being asked for. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything that you would, you would say um, to anyone who was thinking about maybe coming into the industry um, at a more junior level, be that developer, engineer, um project yeah. manager um or, or whatever really um you know anything as as, as the battle hardened second lap tech person who's been in been oh, around the block a bit you're making what, me what, feel really old now Stu. i'm not that old <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, i was just as you're saying that i'm just trying to because i i i worked for a couple of years in the um gas turbine industry and then like 10 years or so in the automotive industry and then switched to, to wind renewables as i mentioned like 12 years ago or something and um so i can remember a lot of the feelings and thoughts I had when I made those switches. So one thing I want to say is that I personally think it really matters what industry you're working in. So I don't see, maybe it's a, maybe it's a luxury to be able to, to, to kind of be fussy about where, where you're working, but, uh, but I, I think it's really 
important to work in an industry and in a space where you actually feel some connection to the product and and to the to the whatever the service or product or value that's being delivered. So so I I, I work in the wind industry because I care about um, renewable energy and climate change and these and these these really important topics. And I, and I think that the wind turbine is a great amazing piece of technology that that kind of crosses boundaries between human capability to build technology and and, and nature and natural forces and, and to be able to to kind of work on that in that space, I find really exciting. And I really enjoy working in a, in an industry where I feel that we're doing something positive and something that's really important. Um, and when I go to wind industry events and talk to sort of peers and colleagues and friends in the industry, um, everybody shares that sense of being part of something something important and, and meaningful. And but, but that really means a lot to me. So I don't want to work for a company where I feel like the product we're building is is basically not not healthy or not useful or not or not um, not morally valuable to, to to humankind. I think it's important to be part of something that matters. And uh, so I, this is what I would say when when I moved into the wind industry, that was my that was the ideology I was chasing, and I and I definitely I was right. You know, it really it really has made my it's enriched my life to be working in a space that I care about. I would, I would, uh, if if, you, if anybody kind of looking at the renewables industry and thinking about joining, um, I think I, I would, I would recommend to think carefully about whether you know whether well, what what are your values, what do you really feel is important, and if you want to be part of something that that matters as, as our industry does, then uh, then it's the right move. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, uh, from my own experiences, the early part of my career was in um, fintech. Um, I've worked a lot of accountancy software. I mean, how dry is that accountancy software? Seriously. And yeah. um, Sunday Night Blues, you know, the zoning out in meetings, the whole, you know, the whole thing. Um, it was, it, 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 everything was an effort. Whereas since I've come across and then I'm fortunate to be spending more and more of my time working with um, tech companies renewables, you know, I genuinely want to see them do well. You know, yeah. you know especially as a dad, they've got two little kids, like, it, it, you know, it's getting warmer every summer, you know, things are happening and we've got to put around. And, and, you know, it, having a little part of that or influencing that in any way at all, it just, it definitely gives that sense of satisfaction. And I yeah. agree, I, you know, everyone I meet in this industry, they, they've got that, that same drive. Um, and I think, I think it's, it's a really important, it's a really important shout out, actually. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and if we have the, you know, if we have the fortune to do something that's um, interesting, exciting, um, and and at the same time is a is a kind of a positive space to be in, then I think, uh, I think, I think uh, you've won basically. <laughs> there you go, Chris. I think we should end it there because what a great place to finish. Um, I just like to say thank you very, very much indeed um, for being a guest on um, the podcast um, this time around. Um, Chris, you're very easy to find on LinkedIn. If everyone wants to get in touch with Chris, um, you yeah, can find him yeah. there. Um, yeah. And um, you can go straight to his calendar and book a call in like I did for this today and, and get hold of him. Um, but I just want to say thank you very much for giving up some time. Um, I know you've got a lot on, so um, it's been really, really lovely to chat to you today. And um, hopefully, we'll see you again soon. Yeah, no, it was really my, my pleasure, and thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me. And um, look forward to seeing you soon. Cheers, thanks, Chris. Thanks. Bye.